It's More Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with More Money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Hello, everybody. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio, the number one talk radio station in these United States. Always a privilege and a pleasure to be able to join you. And thank you so much, my loyal audience. We're getting great ratings, and and I appreciate the regular listeners. And if you're a new listener, we talk every week about the intersection of Wall Street and politics and policy and how to make more money. Uh, for you as you do your investments. Uh, it is, uh, we are finally in the summertime and it is, uh, I'm actually lucky. I'm in the Midwest today where the weather is absolutely gorgeous. I know on the East Coast, it's been pretty rainy, but I think the rest of the weekend should be nice. So thanks for joining. By the way, I want to do a, a call out to my great friend, John Katsimatidis, who of course is the owner of this uh, radio station and the one who's really turned it around and turned it into a powerhouse in just a couple of years. So John has been amazing. um, And it's just so cool to see this station become the real talk radio powerhouse across the country. And we have listeners, by the way, I love this. I mean, we have listeners who call in from Minnesota, from Illinois, from Florida, from Georgia, from Maine, and of course, obviously the New York area. So I hope everybody's having a wonderful weekend. I want to get into a number of issues uh, today. I want to start with something, and I'm not going to talk about Russia. Uh, I know that's at the top of many people's mind, the potential revolution that's going on in that country. Lord knows what, what's happening with that criminal uh, Vladimir Putin. But what I really want to talk about is a story that got overshadowed this week and uh, was covered in our Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline. And, and incidentally, let me just do an aside here. If you're not getting the Committee to Unleash Prosperity uh, email hotline every morning, please sign up for it. If you, if, I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, we now have about 60,000 uh, readers, and it's a very short, concise, kind of funny and fun and, uh, and fact-filled uh, email that provides you know, five or six items every morning. You can, folks, you can read this in five minutes. Five minutes you can do the read, but you'll if you want to be the smartest person in the room, is your uh, you know having your pop tart or your uh, Starbucks coffee, just get the hotline and just you know do a quick scan of it, and I think it, you'll really benefit from it. Now the best part about this, by the way, you're probably thinking, oh, there's Steve Moore, he's trying to sell me something. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to sell you anything, folks, because guess what? The price of the uh, Committee of Knowledge Prosperity is zero. It is absolutely free. Some great things in life are free. And uh, so we don't charge you. We don't do advertising. We just want you to be well-informed, especially if you're debating liberals, because this provides you with charts and information and argumentation and shows where the left and the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN are lying to you. Uh, And so uh, to get it, all you have to do is go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity.com, Committee to Unleash Prosperity.com, and uh, sign up for it, and we will send that to you five mornings a week, absolutely free. But the reason I mention that is one of our lead items this week was this story about what has happened to the test scores of our uh, grade school children. 
And this is really troubling. I mean, this is a national crisis. We used to talk about the mediocrity of our schools, which is a crisis of its own because we shouldn't have mediocre schools. We should have excellent schools and excellent schools for every child, whether they have brown skin or black skin or red skin or whatever race or whatever gender or whatever income level. We should demand that every school be excellent uh, because uh, it is absolutely true that a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Now, what are these latest statistics telling us that our public school system, the government run schools are being run into the ground? They are not teaching our kids the basic information they need in math and reading and writing and science. They're not learning any of this stuff. And that you don't have to believe me. I'm just reading some of these statistics that, um, okay, I'm just going to read you this. The, the gold standard for student test measurement is the National Assessment of Education Progress. It's called the NAEP report. The latest report that just came out this week shows that the schools flunked. Not the kids that flunked. It's the schools that flunked our kids. The latest results are in from late 2022, and they reveal just how badly American students are still suffering the after effects of the COVID lockdowns. Now, remember, a lot of this decline in the school performance is a result of the fact that the teachers unions shut down our schools during COVID. In many cases, for a year, in some cases, a year and a half, uh, where basically kids were not being taught anything. By the way, the teachers got paid. The, uh, the the administrators, all those people got paid. They just didn't teach anything. And that's a pretty good gig if you can get it. You don't have to show up for work. You don't have to do anything. And you get paid a six-figure salary. And so uh, I'll give you these numbers. For 13-year-olds, the t- decline in math scores was the biggest decline in 50 years. Scores declined among all racial groups and across urban, suburban, and rural areas. The share of students who reported never, oh, here's just another statistic. By the way, I'm looking at the graph, and if you get the hotline, you can see this this really troubling decline in in these scores of these students. Um, So they asked questions of the kids, and here's one that's amazing to me. The share of students, and these are 13-year-olds, the share of 13-year-old students who reported never or hardly ever Reading has jumped to 31%. One-third of kids never read. Whether this is because they can't read or they don't like reading is an open question. But that's pretty – look, I I, I don't know about you folks. I love reading. I love reading, whether it's a novel, whether it's, you know, reading uh, the newspaper, whether it's just reading for fun. Um, Everybody should read. In fact, you know, for those of you who are adults, which is most of us (laughs) listening to this show, it's a great thing to, to spend at least a half hour a day reading. You know, what I like to do is before I go to bed, I read. Sometimes it's just a novel. It might be a spy novel. It might be a piece of history. Read, 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 read. Our kids are not doing that. And again, maybe it's because many of them can't read. Now, according to the Washington Post, here's the thing that's so uh, sinister about this. The hardest hit were the lowest performing students and the black children. In math, their scores showed declines of 12 to 14 points. 
the pattern for reading was similar with lowest performers seeing twice the decline of the highest ones. In other words, think about this. The left loves to talk about the how do we stop this divide between the rich and poor? Well, if we're um, graduating from high school and grade school, kids that can't read and do math, folks, what chance do they have to succeed in life? And by the way, it's not their fault. <laughs> this is the thing. It's like, kid, you know, kids obviously have to perform. So every kid is responsible for themselves. But what I'm trying to tell you, folks, wake up, America. The sirens, sirens are blaring here. Our schools are failing our kids. Now, why do we have public schools in the first place? If you go back to the start of our country and the founding of our nation, the reason we have public schools is that we want kids, when they become adults, to be well-educated and productive citizens. And we want them to know something about our country and the way our government works so that they can make wise decisions about how, who they vote for. Are we doing that today? <laughs> I don't think we are, folks. I don't think that the kids and the ki- look, my point is that the kids are the victims here. They are the victims of a system that is sinister, diabolical, that works for teacher unions. It does not work for the children. How long are we going to take this? How are we going to compete against Japan, China, Russia, Mexico, uh, you know, the European countries? How are we going to compete if we've got kids that can't even read their diplomas, as Newt Gingrich would say? This is a travesty, and it cannot last a single day longer. Now, what is the solution? Well, I think we have to end teachers' unions. We should not allow the teachers' unions to run our schools, period, because they have done an abysmal job. Second of all, we have to make sure that every single child in America has the same choices that a rich family has that lives in Bel Air or lives in some of the richest counties in America. They should have a choice of where they send their kids to school. Parents know best. Parents know the best, not school bureaucrats. They've had their chance. We have, folks, now, I know my, some of my friends who may disagree with me on this, they'll say, the problem with the public schools is we're not spending enough money. If we only had more money, the schools would be better. Folks, they've been saying this for 40 years. All we've been doing is spending more and more and more and more and more money on the schools. Many areas with the worst schools, including New York, are spending over $25,000 per child. You don't think that we could provide excellent schools with $25,000 per child? Where is all this money going? It's not going to teaching our kids. It's going to the education blob. Let's let kids go to Catholic schools or Jewish schools or Montessori schools or science schools or music schools or whatever the kids are interested. I have five boys, folks. I have five um, sons. Three are my own, two are, um, I am their stepfather. Every child is different. They have different interests. They have different aptitudes. They have things that uh, they love to do, things that they're not very good at. Let's tailor the schools and the curriculum to the children where they have the best chance of becoming, uh, you know, really great workers and and maybe entrepreneurs or maybe an electrician or maybe uh you know, someone who's great at music, our, our schools are just doing a, such a damaging job. You know, the only thing the kids are learning about right now in school, I'm exaggerating a little bit, is climate change. Climate change. <laughs> they think everything in the world revolves around climate change, but they don't know anything about world history. They don't know much of anything. So I'm here to tell you, 
that we we have to have a crusade as a country to improve our schools. We're cheating our kids. We're cheating them. And I don't want to see this go on for one more day. Universal school choice where the money follows the kids. Every child should be able to get the kind of education um, that, that the, you know, the most affluent kids get in America. So that is my message for today. I'm going to take a quick break. Uh, we are in our next segment. We'll talk to uh, uh, the uh, Paynes who do our financial section. And then at the bottom of the hour, I have a guest. And then I want to take your calls at 1-800-842-9200 to hear what you think about our schools and what to do about it, because I think it's rotten. I think it's it's absolutely abysmal what's happening and nobody's taking charge and we're not doing anything differently, even though the system is failing. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show, and we will be right back. It's More Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WBC Talk Radio. Now I get to my favorite segment of the show where I talk to two of the best in the business, Ryan and Bob Payne. Bob is taking the week off, weekend off. Uh, Ryan, thanks for joining. Uh, I think there's a lot of confusion uh, among investors about what to do next with this um, crazy economy and crazy stock market. And there was an article that I saw in the Wall Street Journal on Friday that talked about the inverted yield curve. And why is it that so many economists have been predicting that we would be in a recession right now when we're not in a recession? Uh, and a lot of them had pointed to this inverted yield curve. And by the way, for our listeners who don't know exactly what that means, it's when the short-term interest rates are higher than the long-term interest rates. So right now, the like the one-year Treasury bill is selling at a higher interest rate than the 10-year Treasury bill. Uh, a lot of economists say that's bad news. Ryan, what do you say? Well, first off, it's not a great uh, indicator that a lot of these economists make out. In fact, in 1966, I just read the stat today, um, we did have an inverted yield curve and didn't go into recession. In fact, if right. you go to the UK, they That's had a boom six period. inverted yield curves. Yeah. Um, and in, 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 since the 80s, in the UK, they've had six inverted yield curves. Only three recessions came from that. So I think, first and foremost, there's no perfect indicator that can tell you what's going to happen next. Um, but you know, one thing you and I are talking about, Steve, is with you know, longer-term interest rates being lower, that's an indication that a lot of people believe that interest rates or inflation is going to come down later on this year and the next year. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that that's why I've never bought into this idea that an inverted yield curve is bad news, because if you've got right now, I think, Brian, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think the 10-year treasury is at about 3.8, 3.85%. And that means you're buying a bond that's going to pay you 3.85% interest you know, over 10 years. Well, if you thought inflation was going to be 4 or 5 or 6%, Nobody would buy that bond. I mean, you'd be a fool if you did. So I think it does mean that we've, uh, we're not going to be looking at uh, long-term uh, inflation rates higher. Now, look, the markets can always be wrong and mispredict. Is this a good time to, uh, to buy stocks? I was just looking at measures of the NASDAQ. I was looking at measures of the S&P 500 and, of course, the Dow. And those range from being you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 up this year. They were down almost by the same amount last year. So what's an investor to make of this? Well, it's certainly a wild ride. (laughs) So that's number one. Uh, Number two, I think we have to make of it is is number one, the markets are up this year, right? The S&P 500 is up uh, a pretty healthy clip up something like 13, 14%. 
Um, and I think the bottom line here is just what you just said is we're anticipating inflation's coming down. That's why interest rates are slowing down. And if you start looking at earnings, uh, earnings are going to be down this quarter. But again, markets look out into the future. Earnings are going to start going up again for companies. Uh, and that's a very, very good why, sign. Why, why do you uh, say that, Ryan? Why do you think earnings will go well, up? Well, I think the, the big thing is inflation is going down. So that pressure is coming off of companies. Their supply right. chain. Um, you know, we have a lot of big wage hikes for employees. So that's out of the way. So their margins are going to start to go up. And that's what most analysts are telling you, too. So you know, forward guidance looks good. Um, if you take technology out of the picture, valuations right, right now, they're actually on the cheaper side. In fact, Europe trades and the international markets in general trade at the cheap, cheapest level since I've been in the business, 20 years. So you've got a really good time here to buy for the long term, especially if you're building your portfolio for retirement. I wouldn't sit on it, Steve. Yeah. And so that's exactly what the Laffer model is showing that when you look at, you know, obviously lower interest rates is good for stocks. And the fact that the uh, rates um, have been at least stabilized is good news. But on the other hand, Ryan, uh, you have the <laughs> Fed chairman this week saying that maybe there will be two more rate hikes, but the markets kind of shrugged, shrugged that off. Uh, what do you think that uh, the Fed action, if they do raise rates, will that bring this bull market to an end? Well, first off, the operative word there is maybe, and I like to say definitely <laughs> <Right>. maybe. <laughs> right. Interest rates are going higher, Steve. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I don't. I think they are pricing a hike next month. Uh, so the market's already pricing that in. So if we get it, it's not a surprise for the market. But on the other hand, look, we have more inflation data coming out next month, which yep. should show inflation coming down even further. Um, right. It looks like employment's starting to cool a little bit. That's what the Fed wants to see. So there's a good chance next month the Fed doesn't raise interest rates. And if they don't, my question is, man, oh, man, that could cause a melt up in the market if we're already anticipating the Fed is going to hike. Yeah. So I think your, so, your bigger risk there is surprises in the positive. Uh, now, we, we talked last week, and we've only got a couple of minutes left, but we talked last week about AI and that every investor I talk to is... is you know, talking about artificial intelligence and, you know, buying those stocks, they're way, way up, as you know, this year. So putting you had a we had a good conversation about AI last week. I don't want to talk about that. I want to ask you about other than AI, what industries do you like at this point? Well, industrials look very good because you're starting to see globally uh, manufacturing is starting to bottom. Right. Um, you know, China's yep. been slow to reopen, but they are reopening. It's going to happen. They're the second largest economy in the world, and they buy a lot of stuff, right? They buy a lot of commodities globally. Uh, so that would be good for material stocks. Um, that's what you've seen this month is, you know, technology was really hot all year. Now you're seeing other sectors play catch up. You know, financials are starting to move in yeah. the right direction. Because we didn't go into a financial crisis like we thought we might. So, you know, really, if you look outside of tech right now, all those other sectors like industrials, consumer staples, boring stuff like Coke, Pepsi, um, you know, they're also growing their earnings faster than technology now. Right. So I would say look at all those other sectors right now. Don't get seduced by the fact that technology is up right. big this year. Uh, right. You could get burnt here putting all your money there. But not, uh, not, not, you're not putting a buy, I hope, on Anheuser-Busch. <laughs> <laughs> apparently it's un-american now and, and kid rocks against it i'm against it steve 
<laughs> well, Brian, great, great conversation. You're the best of the best. I appreciate every week you coming on this show and being such a great sponsor. That's Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. This is the More Money Show, and we will be right back. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Hey, if you're thinking to yourself right now, okay, we get it. You know, things are not as bad as been anticipated, and I need to make some decisions about my retirement. Well, here's your shot to do it. We literally have 10 slots open for the whole show. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, myself and my team will run for you our total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally look at everything. We go as as building you your own personalized financial portal. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We're going to go through every investment that you own. We're going to look at an income plan for retirement. Like how do you draw from your portfolios? How do you take social security? How do you actually live off your portfolio without running out of money? Because inflation is going to double your expenses over the next 20 years. We're going to put together a, a dynamic income plan so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets are extremely volatile. They've been extremely wild. Do you have a game plan? Or have you seen your portfolio go up and down like a yo-yo? Or have you been sitting in cash trying to figure out what to do with your money? Paralysis by analysis. We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you high-cost products that are very tax inefficient, whether it's an annuity, mutual fund, brokerage products, structured products, we're going to do a deep dive of every investment you own, show you where all the hidden costs are, show you how to reduce that cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's now what you make. It's what you take. You're going to get our full tax playbook. We literally have 10 slots left. If you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement, all you need to do is call or text right now at 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. We have 10 slots. If you give us a call, we're going to keep it up for the whole show. Simply call or text at 844-752-6692 if you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. So I have my colleague on the show today, Certified Financial Planner at Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, Mr. Aaron Dessen. Aaron, thanks for jo joining me on the show this morning. Appreciate having you here. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me, Ryan. You got that deep, booming voice, man. It's perfect for radio. So <laughs> it doesn't get better than that. Yeah. Mom always says I have a face for uh, radio. What can you do? <laughs> hey, man, you're <laughs> handsome too. Uh, but the reason, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about today at our firm, Paying Capital Management, obviously, we, we do a lot of financial planning, a lot of financial planning for baby boomers. And one of the biggest complications when it comes to your wealth right now is we're living longer. Right, it's which is great, um, but it also means that your money has to la last a lot longer than it used to, and you really got to figure out ways to safeguard against running out of money, especially with longer longer term uh, living. You have like you have long term healthcare costs uh, that come up, and you know, let's face it, like you still spend a lot of money in retirement, even when you're eighties, a lot of times. Absolutely, yeah, and that's one of the things that we really see. You know, people going throughout retirement. Uh, maybe in your 60s and 70s, you're spending a lot on things like going out to eat and gifts and traveling. Um, whereas you get into your 80s and 90s, you know, it's more um, more towards healthcare costs and, and and things like that. 
I even yeah. blows my mind though, even like this summer, a lot of our clients in their 80s are still traveling. They're going on cruises. They're spoiling the grandkids. And you know, the one thing I'd say is a good rule of thumb when you're planning for retirement now is plan for more, not less. Used to hear like, I only need 80% uh, of my income that I had when I was working in retirement. And I would say that's just not true nowadays. I couldn't agree more. I mean, people always ask, you know, when I retire, how much do I need to spend? I say, what are you spending now? You know, that's what you're going to do, if not more in retirement. Because think of all the time that people have on their hands when they're not working. Um, you know, most of the time, you're not just sitting sitting idly by. You're going out. You're enjoying the time with friends and your family. Um, and that means more expenses. And you couple that with healthcare costs. And I think one of the bigger decisions that a lot of our clients have to make is, do I self-insure? Do I get a long-term care policy? And the one question I think you have to ask yourself is, if I had a quarter of a million dollars leave my portfolio because of healthcare costs, is that going to affect my lifestyle? And I think that's a question most of us haven't answered when it comes to our retirement plan. Um, yeah, that's a great point, Ryan. I mean, that's there's so many variables that uh, we can't account for. So we have to try and make things as conservative as possible. Um, but looking at things like, does long-term care insurance make sense? Can I self-fund? Um, you have to plug in those numbers later in life. And to your point, that can be devastating to a portfolio um, if you're not well-positioned and, and planning properly. Yeah, you really do. And it's like, I mean, I think the one way we look at it is you need to throw the kitchen sink at your retirement plan, right? You got to look at like, I always like to say like, let, let's look at everything go wrong. Um, that way, you know, when you're actually in retirement, you're living off your portfolio, you have more like what I would call surprises in the positive, not the negative. And that's the beauty of running these projections so conservatively. I mean, I see this every year sitting down with folks on a year over year basis. The numbers tend to look better each year because we're being so conservative and really trying to stack the odds up against you um, just to account for those unknowns. Yeah, no, exactly. Because it's like, you know, our, our adage is you, you want your money to outlive you, not outlive your money. Um, and the other scary thing is with healthcare, healthcare costs specifically, you know, they, they moving, they're moving at a faster clip than the actual inflation rate. So you know, it's becoming more and more of a problem, which only means like more and more you've got to address that in your portfolio. You, know, you really have to address for the fact that healthcare costs are real um, and you are going to be spending more in retirement overall. I mean, it's the one, I guess, um, you know, it's great you're living longer, but it's one of the downsides when it comes to financial planning is you have to plan for more. Yeah, I mean, beyond looking at, you know, spending what you're spending while working in retirement, we do have to account for inflation, you know, throw in maybe an extra $10,000 a year per couple that we need to factor in for unanticipated healthcare costs. That's also going to be adjusted for inflation. Um, you know, people really don't conceptualize all the time how much their expenses are going to increase, say, through their 60s, 70s, 80s and beyond. Um, and it's really uh, pretty powerful when you talk about the, the art of compound, the miracle of compounding. Um, it really applies to inflation and your expenses as well. It really does. And I think that's, that's again, with longevity is think about it this way, like your costs double every 20 years based on a 3% inflation rate. Now we've had much higher inflation recently. Um, but if you look at since World War II, it's been about 3% a year or 3.1% a year. So if you need $20,000 a month today, you're going to need $40,000 a month over the next 20 years. And that's a huge difference. So it's like, you know, I would say this too, when you're building your income plan, you want to build what we call a dynamic income plan. Because if you have the same amount of money coming in every year, but your expenses are going up because of inflation, well, hey, look, I'm not a mathematician, Aaron. That could be a big problem. <laughs> 
That's, you know, that's something we see a lot with, with people when they talk about annuities, right? Like I'm getting this great deal. You know, this, this account can't go down. Um, it'll go up when the market's doing well and it's going to pay me this guaranteed income stream. Well, that's great now, but what is that going to look like in 20 years? I mean, that income stream is going to be half of what it is today. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So like income for life sounds great, but it's not income for life that's increasing over time. And that's a big problem. Um, and if you're thinking to yourself right now, like these are the things I need to start to address. I need a longevity retirement plan to make sure I'm accounting for healthcare expenses, inflation, and the fact that I probably will spend more money in retirement than I thought I would. Well, here's a shot to do it. Uh, for the rest of the show, we still have literally six slots left. Aaron and I will keep open. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, we're going to run for you our now famous total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally will look at everything for you. We're going to go as far as building you, your own personalized financial portal. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We're going to hone in on every issue that you need to address today. Do you have a dynamic income plan for retirement? Have you factored in how you're going to take Social Security? So there's a lot of ways to take it. One right way for you to take it. Have you figured out how you're going to draw from your portfolio, factor in inflation and not run out of money? We're going to give you that full income plan. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been extremely volatile. It's been crazy out there. Has your portfolio been going up and down like a yo-yo? Or have you just been sitting in cash trying to figure out what to do? Paralysis by analysis. We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, tie it to your goals, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you those high-cost, tax-inefficient products, whether it's an annuity a mutual fund, brokerage products, structured products, so many products out there. We're going to do a deep dive of every investment you own, share to reduce all the cost on your investments and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. You're going to get our full tax playbook. We have six slots left. If you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement, all you need to do is call or text at 844-752-6692. That's 844 844- 752-6692. If you call or text right now at 844-752-6692, that's 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. That's it for this week, Aaron. Thanks for joining me here. And uh, if you want to learn more about our firm, Payne Capital Management, that's P-A-Y-N-E, of course, simply go to bebullish.com. You can check out our podcast, Pain Points of Wealth. Go to bebullish.com and you can check out more about our firm. That's it. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Yes. Hello, folks. Welcome back. This is the More Money Show on WBC Talk Radio. By the way, I will be taking your calls in about 15 minutes. I want to hear what you have to say about what is going on with the U.S. 
economy. I want to hear your views on what I was just talking about earlier on the show about the dreadful performance of our schools and what you think we should do about it. I say fire the teachers unions. Let's get people in front of the classroom who actually know what they're talking about and are not going to try to indoctrinate our kids, but will teach them the basics so they can be functional and well-performing and uh, adults and good citizens. So uh, before we get to that, though, I have, I'm really so um, pleased that I have an outstanding guest uh, named uh, Fred Zeidman, who is the co-chair and director of the Council for a Secure America. And he served as chairman of the United States Holocaust Memorial Council from 2002 to 2010. He's one of the experts on energy policy and has a wonderful piece uh, that is on the Real Clear Markets website that everyone should read about what we're doing with our energy policies. Um, Fred, uh, pl- privilege to have you on. Thanks so much for joining. Well, Steve, first of all, it's uh, quite a privilege to be here. Uh, I wish I could listen after because I want to hear your thing on education. And if you can get rid of Randy Weingard for a starter, uh, we have, <laughs> we have so enough we got enough problems in Texas, as you well know, but uh, uh, start up there with her. Uh, and obviously, there's been a lot a lot of excitement in the world today, which are incredibly affecting, uh, going to affect energy policy everywhere uh, and makes this an even more critical conversation. So, sure uh, does. Well, Fred, uh, again, uh, let me just say one thing about the schools, and then we'll get on to the topic of our discussion. You know, they, I don't know if you... Uh, heard that the this week the new uh, national association national assessment numbers came out about how the schools are performing and the numbers are as low as they've been in 50 years so our schools are completely failing our kids and it is well, I think yeah, it's I mean I don't know I don't know I don't know if you've uh, followed Texas at all but we threw in Houston we threw the whole school board out and the whole managerial system out and put in a <laughs> the governor put in a whole bunch of people here uh Anyway, I'm sorry. We I know you don't have a lot of time when we get on topic, but well, uh, I, that's great. By the way, I hope that I hope that in Houston that you can change things because you know this is going to take a revolution in schooling, and it can't wait another day. But another issue that can't wait another day is something you wrote about this week, and you are right. one of the world's experts on energy policy. Uh, so uh, I'll tell you my quick take, and then I'd love your reaction to it and your sure. uh, words of wisdom, which is. You know, that the most important thing we can do for our economy right now that is a no brainer is to produce more oil and gas and coal and nuclear power and whatever energy we have access to as a way of of uh, reducing the power and the money that's flowing into the Russian uh, military machine and also many of our other enemies around the world. And I don't even understand the logic of why we have disassembled our world uh, commanding height as one of the world's econ- uh, energy producers. So w- tell me what you think we should be doing to get back to being number one in energy. Sure. I, you know, first of all, uh, I, I must tell you that uh, uh, close to producing more is knowing what to do with it after we produce it. Uh, right. The biggest mistake that was made uh, was the day after change in administration when they canceled the Keystone Pipeline. Right, right. Because uh, I'm, I'm going to be up in North Dakota this week, uh, but I will tell you there is no 
there is nothing to stop production except there's nothing to do with all the oil and gas right. once you get it. With no yeah, pipeline. By the way, let me can I, let me just interrupt you for one second. I've sure, been sure, up sure. to the. I've been uh, you. I'm sure you know my friend Harold Ham, who uh, with Continental well, Energy has done a lot. That's that's exactly where I'm headed uh, on Tuesday <laughs> and Wednesday. So well, when I was up uh, there in Williston, maybe this was probably three years ago. Um, you know, I was just looking at all this gas that was being flared off. You know, um, just burned off. And I asked Harold, what, you know, what the heck is going on here? That's a valuable resource. He said, we don't have the infrastructure, you know, the pipelines to get this gas, the natural gas, to the areas like Boston and the Northeast and other in California. Right. So it's, I mean, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, it, it's unreal. I, I, a little bit of humor, but uh, when we were up, we go up there twice a year. Harold is my co-chairman of Council uh, for Secure America. And for anybody that doesn't know, Harold is the largest independent oil producer in America. He, he without question, is the man that was responsible for American energy independence because when we were producing 8 million barrels a day and consuming between 10 and 11, we were having to import it. Harold is producing over 2 million barrels a day, and that made up the difference that made us energy independent. But when we were up there a couple of years ago, uh, it was about this time of year. So the sun goes down 10, 30, 11 at night. And we were uh, out on one of the ranches, not his. We were one of the other producers. And I walked outside about 11 o'clock at night. We were still there visiting and talking. Uh, and I looked like it, was, I looked, it looked like I was you know, standing in the middle of Times Square. Uh, yeah, right. It was just right. bright as day. Yeah. And uh, the... Uh, the first lady of the ranch came out and said to me, isn't that beautiful? Uh, and her name is Joyce Evans. It's, uh, the ranch belongs to Triple T Ranch. And I said, yeah, yeah but I said, I said, yeah, but Miss Evans, this is all your, this is all your money burning up. Uh, you know, with no pipeline to carry this out, you're limited, you're limited to rail cars and trucks. And we haven't had any availability on rail cars right. and trucks for five or six years now. So, you know, a, a, a horizontal drilling has turned this industry not into an exploration industry, but a mining industry. I mean, you're, you're gonna find it, it's there. You just have to bring it out of the ground, but you're not gonna bring it out of the ground if you can't take it anywhere. And so the day that we canceled the Keystone Pipeline was the very first thing uh, uh, that, that, that yeah. foretold yep. the situation we're in now. But if you go, Beyond that, uh, uh, at some of the other moves uh, that were taken, first of all, uh, the administration's uh, totally abandoning any offshore drilling, uh, making that illegal. But even more so is permitting. You have to get a permit to drill. And this article was really focused on the one thing that that Congress, that the government could do immediately, and that's expedite permitting. Uh, we have the equipment's available. Uh, we have the equipment. We've got the folks. We're nowhere near where we were uh, at at peak uh, uh, rig activity. So that's not the issue. The whole issue is number one, getting a permit to drill, and number two, okay, you drill and you hit. Now what are you going to do with it? You're going to cap a well and leave all the oil there. You're going to flare gas. 
Uh, I had the uh, honor and privilege of being in Saudi Arabia and visiting with the crown prince. And I naively said to him, how much gas do y'all have to flare? And he laughed at me and he said, we don't flare anything. We use 100 percent of it. I mean, uh, and he was laughing at me because of the waste. I mean, we've got centuries, centuries worth of natural gas that is just flaring into the atmosphere. And uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Let me just interrupt you for a second. I mean, um, so natural gas. Look, I don't understand the logic of the green movement and the environmentalists, which basically, you know, the, the Democrats are now kind of a, a fully owned subsidiary of the green movement. Just as they are a fully correct. owned subsidiary of the teachers union. So You're correct. why is it? Why is it that they are against natural gas? I mean, I've always called natural gas a wonder fuel. It's abundant. It's made in America. It's reliable. Uh, it's cheap, and it's clean burning. So and you can li- and you can liquefy it and supply yeah. the rest of the world and keep energy. So wh- right. There is so no why, reason. Why? 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 Why are they no, against it? There's no reason. They don't understand it. They don't understand yeah. that the little bit of methane that we're flaring into the air is coming from flaring natural gas. They don't understand that it is so much better than it, and so much yeah. less expensive. And if you look at any alternative source of energy and you go look at the equipment to produce it, That's I would bet you that 80 percent of the equipment that produces alternative energy is made out of uh, <laughs> a fossil fuel product. It's yeah. made out of refined product. How much of it's plastic? Yeah. So, Fred, um, another question, because I could have you on for an hour and we only got about 15 minutes. But another question and, I wanted and, to ask And I could about, talk all day about this. <laughs> I know we could. Well, we'll have to have a, a drink the next time you're uh, in this area and, and we'll talk a lot more about this. But I wanted That's to ask you about um, natural. I, I had meetings this week. I was in the Midwest with some major transportation folks and the trucking companies and so on. And they basically just said, look, this idea that we're going to use, you know, um, batteries for trucks, you know, for long haul trucks and so on, it is right. a fantasy. It's it's impossible. It it's not going to happen. It's, not at least in your my lifetime. That's well, right. Maybe maybe fifty or sixty years from now, as the technology improves, but at least right. for the next thirty years, we're going to be using, uh, you know, um, diesel, too. and we're going to be using oil. But I, right. the question I had for you, that that's self evident. What do you think? might be the future of natural gas as a transportation fuel? Well, first of all, uh, you know, uh, one of my less successful uh, investments years and years and years ago was we put onto the road the first natural gas fuel trucks. Uh, uh, The problem that uh, we had, obviously, was that there was not, and they were hybrids then, so they would run on natural gas which would run cleaner than oil, cleaner yes. than diesel. But at that point in time, you know, you, you had a couple explosions of pipelines out in the field, and people were scared to death of driving with a tank of natural gas underneath uh-huh. them. I don't care how safe we were. And so uh, we were just way ahead of our time with that. But there's no question that it's coming. It's got to be safe being stored, and there's got to be enough uh, – there's enough – supply 
but enough places to refuel for natural gas. Right, right, uh, right, as right. Well, you know, it's the same problem with electric. I mean, where the hell are you going to refuel them when you're but, out on the road? But you know what, Fred? You know, the government's spending billions and billions and billions of dollars on these recharging stations that they're giving away for thing. free. On the, on the electric cars. That's right. Yeah, why, why not? And like, by the way, I'm not in favor of the government getting involved in energy at all. I think the private sector and the free market system can handle this much better than government right. can. That's right. But it's That's just, right. I'm, I'm just saying it's ironic that we, we should have natural gas uh, stations. Uh, instead, right. we have these electric vehicles. By the way, people have to wait 45 minutes, sometimes an hour or two hours to get their yeah. cars charged. You know, it's the, it's the most crazy thing. It's, you wonder why only 6% of people are buying electric vehicles. But, Thank you. Uh, what is, what is the um, future, do you think, in terms of, you know, if you look at right now, so, for example, you know these uh, statistics, but I don't think our readers and listeners know you know, these things because they're not experts on this. But most people don't understand even, our, you know, about 65 to 70 percent of our energy today comes from fossil fuels. Oil That's, gas. Correct. Uh, That's correct. And then you get about another 10 or 15 percent from nuclear power. And and then uh, if hydropower is a good form of energy, we get about, about another 10 percent from that. And we get maybe 6 percent or 7 percent from wind and solar power. So they're, they're right. pretty trivial in the grand scheme of things. As you That's look right. out in the future, let's say over the next 20 years, uh, I mean, the left is saying in 20 years, it's going to be 100 percent, you know, wind and solar, which is preposterous. Right. You know? So how, right. do you, how do you see the future changing in terms of the components of our energy? Well, if technology stays where it is, I mean, take a look at California. They have, first of all, have everybody cutting uh, cutting back on their ele- on their electricity because they don't have power supply, and then right. they're going to mandate that everybody have electric vehicles and, right. and not and not use the power. So I mean, they don't have they don't have the power now. It's not going right. to happen. It will never happen. I, to the best the way, of my knowledge. Let me interrupt you for one second. They have the energy. Yeah. They just won't use. I mean, they California is an energy rich. Yeah, they're at the very energy Correct. rich state. Yeah. Correct. Oh, Correct. Right. I, look, I, I'll remember. I remember about 30 years ago, uh, we had bought a company out in Santa Barbara uh, that was in the drilling mud business, and I flew out there the first time, and we were going out over Santa Barbara over the ocean, and I said to uh, I, I, I said to my I was the CEO of the company. I said to my uh, uh, my president, "Why are we going out over the ocean?" He said, "We're not allowed to land." in santa barbara we got to go out over the ocean and come back <laughs> and and uh you know and hit the runway from there and i <laughs> said do me a favor sell this company because if yeah. california won't let us land an airplane what are they <laughs> going to do to these chemicals that i'm putting in the ground uh uh-huh. you know to be able to produce oil right yeah. uh, again we we were producing drilling fluid and it was chemical based because of the kind of drilling that they were doing uh they have no understanding. Look, do you remember when uh, 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 when the Speaker of the House Pelosi said, uh, "We, you know, we've got to go to natural gas. We can't use fossil fuel anymore." <laughs> yeah, well, I do remember okay. that. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you, they do, none of them understand. They just yeah. don't understand. I'll give them credit, and they don't want to learn. Uh, uh, Steve, we take. Uh, again, this trip we're taking this week, we do this twice a year. We take New York environmentalists yeah, and right. thought leaders out right. to the Bakken Shale to show them that, number one, we're not harming 
the uh, we're not harming the environment. environment. Yeah, uh, the right. only thing that's in, in, harming the environment is the methane that's escaping from gas flaring, which wouldn't be yeah. flared if they would let us ship it somewhere. So, See, here's the problem, Fred. Though you're gonna uh, you're gonna experience. They don't care. <laughs> this isn't about no, facts. Right. It's not about reality. It's about a religion, and also it's about. They call it the green movement for a reason. It's all about the green. And I'm talking right. about the money. So there's the money. The people money, have the to money, realize money. we're spending hundreds of billions of dollars on what I call, Fred, and I love your reaction to this, I call it the climate change industrial complex. And they want their money from government. And that's why I know you will, you will present the facts and they will be irrefutable, but they don't care. They don't care and they don't listen. Number one, I can't disagree with you more, uh, although I'm not sure all the tree huggers care about money. But for the most part, it, it is all about the environmental economy and the money yeah. that the government is pouring into research exactly. in terms of doing that and not in terms of, of technology to be used in the oil patch, uh, which yeah. is what we need. We don't even need that. We need pipelines. That's all we need. You give right, us Fred, pipeline, and we can ship yeah. we can ship this gas right here. I, I, we have a home on the bay right outside the ship channel. I sit and watch eighty yeah. percent of the refined product in the United States coming in so, and out in front of my house all day yeah. long, and that's the so Fred, that's the trick. <laughs> so Fred, I got uh, literally ninety seconds left before we have to take a break, and I really appreciate okay. your taking time out of your Saturday afternoon. I'd love to do this again. Soon, See, for a anytime second. you want. I love this. So, anytime I can particularly okay. teach North well, you are brilliant on what's going I'm, on. I'm I'm learning a lot, and I know our listeners are. So, two two quick questions. Right. Speed yes, round sir. on the way out. Number one: Are we running out of oil and gas in this country? Oh hell no! Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I don't mean to use that word. We haven't even <laughs> well, we haven't right. even started. We haven't even started to produce it because of horizontal drilling. I mean, yeah. shale, this is not an exploration play. It's Second all question. there. Yeah. Second question. Uh, if we do it right, and let's say we get a Donald Trump back in office or a Ron DeSantis or someone who's not completely bought and sold by the uh, climate change industrial complex, could the United States return to being the number one energy producer in the world? I, with, I, in no time, as quickly as we can build pipelines, Okay. I, I, as right. quickly as we can move the oil, because the amount of oil, again, in only in this formation, and we haven't gone to deeper formations yet in the shale producing uh, uh, arenas. Oh, you look at the Permian Basin, you look at uh, uh, you look at, at the Bakken, and I mean, yeah. there are levels and levels and levels below where we are now that will produce and will produce all day long awesome. but there awesome. but but there's awesome. no reason to produce it you can't you, uh -huh. you can't transport what we got now so That's we can awesome. be back in charge in absolutely no time what a positive message fred you are the best. That's Fred Zeitman. He is the uh, co-chair of the Council for a Secure America, and that means energy security for all of us and cheaper right. energy and more abundant energy and more reliable energy so we're not dependent on other countries who hate us. Fred, you are the best of the best. Thank you so much for joining this afternoon. We're going to have you, you on. Steve, anytime. Uh, anytime. Uh, okay, fantastic. And, and, so and I'll give you regards to Harold. Bye-bye. I will do. Thank you. All right, bye folks, bye. we've got about...
seven minutes left. I had promised I'd take some of your calls. I want to hear from you on either this issue we were just talking about, about energy security or about education security and providing our kids with the best education possible. That number, we have one line open right now, 1-800-848-9222 is the More Money Hotline, 1-800-848-9222 or 1-800-848-WABC. Mr. Producer, do we have a caller? Let's go to Tony from Clifton. Tony, thanks for calling. What do you got, sir? Hi, Steve. You know, I'm I'm not on topic, but I'm, I'm on topic for our country. And you made a statement that, and I really appreciate you taking my call. You made a statement that impeachment isn't good for the economy. And I was yeah. looking, I was looking that with impeachment, it, we had inflation with Nixon, and we actually did good with Clinton. But I think the bigger picture for us, as we're looking at yeah. so many things in our country, is What's the best thing for them to do to keep us out of harm's way? That's my concern. That's true. You know what I mean? And you think? Do you think that uh, Biden is putting us in harm's way? I believe that we are in harm's way. Um, yep. I believe that I'm looking at all the world events. I'm looking at Russia. I'm yep. looking at Ukraine. I'm looking at the border. Yep. I'm looking at money laundering we could deal with. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, you know, I'm just concerned for our country and any eminent yep. danger. So in that Tony, case, I would I yeah. would just trust they make the right decisions and get All the right. right person in. Tony, great call. You are a great patriot. Thanks for calling in at one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. I'd love your reaction to what we were just talking about about our ability to become energy independent again and energy dominant. But also, uh, I am so concerned, folks, about the quality of the education or the lack thereof that we are providing our children. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. We have time for two or three more quick calls, Mr. Producer who is next let's go to ted in hackensack ted thanks for us for calling sir all right good afternoon uh, a couple of points uh, i'll be real quick this quickly idea, yeah please uh, i'm retired from the uh from the truck from the truck industry yes. this idea yeah. of electric trucks is pure madness okay <laughs> no yes so what tell me when sir you, how long were you in that industry how long were you in that industry Oh, about uh, 10 or 12 years. Oh, so okay. you know what you're talking now, about. Okay, go ahead. Right. Your typical, your typical cargo box truck out on the road has a gross maximum weight of 26,000 pounds. Right. You're happy to carry 10,000 pounds of payload cargo in it, right? Yep. Yep. You take these batteries, you're giving up 6,000 pounds. Oh, my God. Oh, that payload. Oh, my God. That, so it's it's going to, I mean, it's not going to work. I mean, great call. I, this is why I love listening to you folks who call in because you know what you're talking about. And I think what Tony, Fred was just talking about is a perfect example of the reality of what's going on here. And these pinheads in Washington, they've never driven a truck. They don't know anything about the truck industry. Can you imagine battery operated trucks carrying two tons of cargo? It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. All right, Mr. Producer, do we have time for another call? Yeah, let's go to Mike in St. James. Mike, thanks so much for calling in, sir. Hello. Uh, two quick ones. Uh, I called about six or eight months ago, and uh, you seem to say no company would restart building the Keystone Pipeline. Is that s- still true? Well, you know, it was true nine months ago. I do believe 
Mike, that if we got a new president who was pro-American energy production, uh, I believe, but you'd almost have to start over again. That's what's so sickening. It's almost like, you know, Mike, what uh, what the Biden did with the building the wall on the border. You know, we got 80 percent of the way they're building the wall. And then he says he's not going to continue. Biden says, I'm not going to continue it. Well, what's the point of having a wall that only covers 80 percent? You know, a, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. What's your second question, sir? Uh Without drilling, aren't the oil companies making more money than they did with drilling? Well, you know what? That's a great point. When they when they cut back on the uh, supply of oil, what happened to the price of oil? It went through the roof. So we didn't help consumers. And actually, the you know the, the oil companies made a lot of money last year. The oil and gas company was the was the uh, number one profitable industry because Biden had cut back so much on the supply of new energy that the the companies like Exxon that had oil were making more money than ever before. That's why we can we can produce more. We can bring bring down the cost that you pay at the pump and we don't have to get our uh, our oil and gas from Saudi Arabia. Uh, we got time, I think, for one more. We might be able to slip in one more call, Mr. Oh, OK. We got another caller, Eduard, Eduardo from Tampa Bay. Quickly, yeah, Steve, it's great to hear from you again. Hey, so we, we have got forty-five million, seconds. Yeah, four hundred million in COVID fraud and Johnson and Johnson vaccines going away. The whole thing has been a fraud from the government. We should have never locked down, and now we have mental health and yep. high inflation. Just like UK has eight percent inflation now. Well, you know what? This didn't happen when Donald Trump was president. Does anybody recall that we had 8% inflation when Donald Trump was president? Does anybody recall that we had an out-of-control border when Donald Trump was president? Does anybody recall that we had the kind of turmoil in this country that we have right now when Donald Trump was president? Does anybody recall that people's incomes were falling when Donald Trump was president? I'm not here to you know, say that Donald Trump is the greatest president ever, but I do think things were a lot better off four years ago than they are today. I w- I'm really looking forward to uh, these debates between the Republican candidates. May the best man or woman win. But folks, I'll tell you this, that is for sure. The idea of four more years of Joe Biden would be ruination for this great country of ours. Have a great weekend, folks. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio. O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.